0: and welcome to this session. Uh, We've recorded this between myself, Steve Torso, who's the founder and managing director of Wholesale Investor, and John Sharp, who's the the founder of Hatcher Plus. Now, together, we've actually formed a joint venture called HNWI, and the whole focus for us is about how we can actually invest more into the Australian ecosystem, but I want to break down what that looks like. Now, before we go into some of the details, I'll just cover how John and I actually met, was that we come across each other via John participating in one of the wholesale investor events. I believe it was Capital 2020 last year. And as soon as I saw John's model and as soon as I saw his unique approach to, to investing into early stage companies, I was absolutely hooked on their model and wanted to be involved. But not only want to be involved, I want to make it available to both Australian investors and also Australian companies as well, because we are super passionate about building ecosystems. And what I love about what John's doing is he's going to companies at the foundational, or at the really, really early stage. So so firstly, welcome, John. Thanks, Steve. Great to see you. You too, mate. I always love having a chat with you. So, look, let's just kick off, like, to, to start this, what are some of your observations about you, what your perspective of Australia and how you see it? And just in technology in general, what are some of your perspectives and observations?
1: Yeah, look, great question, because I, I think um, you know, whenever I'm down in Oz and I'm talking with uh, startups, and accelerators and VCs, there, uh, sometimes you get the perception that people think that, you know, it's, it's Australia is not keeping pace with the rest of the world and whatnot. And and the data that we have shows that's complete garbage. I mean, Australia's got six unicorns on the go at the moment. It's building, you know, most of the new business starts. Australia has a fantastic number of business starts every year, I think, net net, about 250,000 um, companies start up. And it's really interesting. If you look at the number of small businesses in Australia, it's roughly about 1 in 10 Australians are managing a small business. And that's almost identical to what you see in the UK or America or other parts of the world. So it's, it's not surprising that we're actually producing unicorns at an almost similar rate um, to those guys. And when I say similar rate, um, actually, I'm going to just share my screen real quickly here because uh, I I think you you know that I have a particular interest in making sure that countries are properly represented. And uh, so what I'm going to share here is just our sort of famous unicorns per capita data that we we accumulate. And, And the great thing I like about unicorns per capita is it allows countries to basically, you know, It'll, it, it's a great levelling effect, right? Because everyone goes, well, look at China, they're so amazing, they've got so many unicorns. Well, actually, on a per capita basis, yes, they're right up there, but Australia has more on a per capita basis. So if you look at this chart, telling us, yes, some small countries like Estonia, Malta and Luxembourg you know, have a handful of unicorns, which is amazing for very, very small places. Israel, of course, we're all aware of as a, as a unicorn factory. I'm um, doing very well. Singapore, where I'm sitting right now, also is a, a unicorn factory. They're doing very well with six unicorns. So basically one per million is the way to look at it in Singapore. But as, but then you've got like the US, Sweden, Switzerland, Hong Kong, you, uh, the UK, Lithuania, which is another small country. And then you've got Australia, South Korea, Finland, China, Germany. So I think the point I'm getting trying to get across here is that Australia is producing some fantastic startups and some fantastic companies. That are creating enormous amounts of, of value. So, I just wanted to get that point across, just uh, just as a, a, a way of, uh, yeah. of, of thinking about um, yeah, thinking about the startup community in Australia and all of these companies. None of these are in the traditional places where Australia's sort of your yeah, focus, like in agriculture or mining. In fact, I just did a quick look this morning, and I think only about four and a half percent of startups are in the areas of agriculture, forestry. Fisheries, mining, etc. cetera. So that means 95% of startups are now in the area of services or medical or, or other things. Um, so that's really something that means that we've, tra- as a country, we've really transformed and, and come oh, a long way towards joining this global sort of startup ecosystem. But I, I just think these are phenomenal numbers.
0: And to to add to that, one of the reasons, like for me, when as soon as I heard your model, as soon as I heard what Hatch Plus is doing, what I'm very well aware of is the power of ecosystems. So you mentioned that Australia has six unicorns. The funniest thing with WI, we've also worked with, for the companies we've worked with, we've now worked with companies that have had six unicorns, five of those being in Australia, one of those also in in Hong Kong. And a lot of them we worked with at the sort of small cap stage when they were small cap ASX companies. I think what's also unique about Australia is the role that the ecosystem plays in helping companies not just build, but then the second part is, is that the ASX has also become known as that sort of listed venture capital. So companies have that opportunity to exit. So whilst that data is focused on private companies, there's obviously a lot of like we've from wholesale investor clients, we've seen 63 of our clients go on to exit. Now, the majority of those have gone on to exit to the ASX and gone on the list, right? And you've seen plenty of stories of companies becoming, you know, 500, 600 million, you know, market caps. And so the opportunity for investors that I see, when I look at your model, and I love how you've taken, like, if you would have said the, the, the best way to summarize this relationship is that you have this perspective of how do you create a data-driven mechanism of, investing that is scalable right yeah. and i love that love that as a thought process our process our thinking is is how do we scale capital raising because yeah. we're very well and also do that with active high net worths and also industry as well because we're very well aware of the power that investors can have in helping successful businesses whereas that's you know you don't cover that in the data part but i see it day in and day out with our with our clients that we actually work with
1: No, I think it's a great comment and a great way of of explaining the positioning of of our two companies because you know a lot about your investors and what they need and what they're looking for. Um, We know a lot about what creates a successful portfolio and uh, one of the things that we're super focused on is, um, so if you talk to most people invested, or not most people, if you talk to a lot of mm-hmm. investors, angel guys, maybe they've invested in three startups and they'll say, oh, I haven't had a great experience with, with angel investing. And they don't understand that the basic data or the basic math around startups is that only one out of every 100 business plans is going to get funding in the first place or venture funding. Um, only 1 out of every 100 of those companies is going on to, to become a unicorn and have a really, really big exit. And so the actual odds in, in startup land are around 10, 1 in 10,000. Now, let's assume that you do a decent job of filtering. You're surrounded by good friends who don't show you rubbish and whatnot. And so you're in that sort of seed stage, investor pool, and you're, you're looking at you know future Canva's and judo banks and things like that. Terrific. But you're still in that one in 100 range There, you can be the best investor in the world and have access Mm -hmm. to the greatest seed stage pool of investments that everyone else is investing in. But if you don't don't go on to then create a diversified pool of of, of investments, um, you're going to fall into that sort of statistical inevitability of if you only have 10 investments, you have essentially a 10% shot at a unicorn and you may get lucky and, and I'm surprised at how often I'll turn up to dinner. And there'll be that one guy that made one investment in his life and turned $50,000 into $500,000. And he's the worst guy to have at dinner because everyone just <laughs> believes that, you know, you can turn 50 grand into $500,000 every time. It's just not true statistically. You need to have a big diverse portfolio. So everything that we're building in technology and in, in the marketplace that we're creating is, is really around. Enabling that large pool of of investments to to occur or, or to be and, and not just that to be managed to be auditable, um, you yeah. know, to have a sane life while managing a large number of investments, which is also a big bugbear for yeah, you know, occasional investors is they'll make an investment in a company and then they don't hear from the founder again forever, and it's super frustrating. You know, and when they're trying to do their tax returns and whatnot, they're calling the founder saying, "Can you please let me know what's going on at the company?" Uh, and, uh, and they get crickets. So what we're trying to do is, is grow up the capabilities there in partnership with people like PwC and yourselves and others that are interested in also solving these problems. And that seems to be working out pretty well. We, we're on the cusp of completing our first fully automated audit at the moment uh, where of our 118 companies in our portfolio, we're actually gathering all the data um, using mechanisms that we've, we've created programmatically. So it's pretty exciting where we're getting to with the ability to manage this. But long-winded reply to the fact that what we're doing is really enabling um, diversification to happen at the individual investor level. And I think what you're enabling is access for the investors to a, a, a really fine bunch of companies, several of which have turned out to be unicorns, so that they can put those together in a portfolio and then enjoy the results. And look, one of the
0: things that we've seen lately, John, over you know in this space is that a lot of investors at the moment, they're talking about what's happening in the small cap listed space, and they're talking about sort of pre-IPO yeah. and IPO opportunities. So then what that tends to happen is that tend to can impact companies that are raising capital at that seed stage or at that foundational yeah. stage. So for me, the timing of this relationship is really important because we're big believers in contributing to to the ecosystem. Both of us are. I know you do a lot of talks. I know you contribute. I know you do a lot of networks. We've obviously been doing it for 12 years. And the way I see to to bring about the highlights of this relationship, you take it's you are taking a data-driven approach into how you invest into companies. And that's based off the modeling of 6 billion data, you know, know, a lot of data points over many years from all sorts of data sources, as far as how do you create a predictable, robust return for investors? The second part is, is that, Wholesale Investor has incredible access to companies. You know, we'll see anywhere from two to 3,000 opportunities a year. You'll see 8,000 plus. So combined, we'll get access to sort of 10,000 plus opportunities per year. The other part is that we obviously have investors, an investor database of just over 30,000, mostly in Australia, a strong portion in Singapore and then the UK. You also have a global network of investors to tap into. So effectively, the way we're looking at this relationship is, whilst everyone is going to focus on the pure money going into companies part the way john and i have approached this is is how do you create a model utilizing technology to assist companies to firstly have um like what you said a good governance process you know as a simple governance process that doesn't eat into too much of their time and then the second part is is Create pathways for themselves going forward for for raising capital, for strategic partnership, and yeah. also for for international
1: opportunities as well. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really important. And and I think back to the, the first comment you made just there. Um, yeah, I think all of us would take bets on pre-IPO companies given the opportunity um, that we like. Uh, who, who would not want to sign up for a a guaranteed? Yeah, you know, not a guarantee, but a probable thirty yeah. percent uplift or whatever. And and I would say there's almost a correlation between this and the early days of Bitcoin. You know, 10 years ago, if you got into Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin then, you know, you'd be sitting at somewhere between 200 and 500x right now um, on that uh, strategy, maybe even more, because uh, in the space of two years there, it went up astronomically Back 10 years ago. So I think it's a bit like startups as well. You can probably make money from Bitcoin right now by going in and you might make 10 grand when it goes from 57 to 67,000. Um, terrific. Yeah, that's a good opportunity, one that we'd all enjoy, but it's not, it's not 100x, it's not 500x, it's not 1,000x, it's not like a Coinbase exit you know, mm. where, where you—you've uh, one of the, the very, very strong VC out of New York put in, bought 8% of the business at an early stage and got 1,000x and it's now worth 8 billion. That doesn't happen pre-IPO. That happens when you invest in startups. And so I'm very clear in my own mind that, yes, there's a great opportunity now if I if I want to go out and buy some pre-IPO stuff, but that's not going to be the thing that really, really generates a massive amount of wealth for me. That's going to be a nice kicker on my bonus that I get this year or some other um, piece of capital that I put into that. But, it, but I think a balanced portfolio or a balanced approach to creating a portfolio would have some uh, later stage deals in there, some things that look like they're, they're pre-IPO if you can get, allocation now, that's a real challenge. We're meeting with a couple of banks yesterday here in Singapore just talking about how challenging it is to get access to those later stage deals these days. The earlier stage stuff, if you have the the balls to get in there and and invest in some of these early stage companies, the trick that we've found is you just need to invest in enough of them to have a diversified portfolio, because one in 100 of those is going to go on to become a, a billion dollar exit. Um, and if you if you have a, a hundred companies in your portfolio, or you invest in in H plus WI, then uh, you know H plus WI has that same diversified approach to investing in a large number of companies. Yep. And I think that's a key point we have to point out about our joint venture here: is that we're actually taking that diversified approach and and applying it to to you know to the fund that we're launching together. And, and that's and, why and- we think that's why we think that's why we would say it's a really good bet because it takes everything that we've spent three years modelling, and it's a great expression for that in the Aussie context.
0: And I'll just add the final part to that, and what I li- really love about how we've set this up is that not only can investors invest into the fund, but if they want to invest alongside the fund directly into some of the companies, that then they have that ability. And the reason why we want to encourage that is because, year after year after year we get reminded of the power in which some investors can actually add value oh, yeah. to businesses and it's everyone likes to focus on when things are going well where i've really seen big differences in companies that are listed now that are worth sort of 500 600 million i know have gone through periods where they were close to going under you know two three four times and it's been the pe the investors around them the the, the in the you know the service providers that have sort of made that difference so we're very realistic about what the challenges ahead of companies at the when when they when you're going at the early stage, but we're also big believers in the role that investors can play in being it's, active with the businesses, adding value, and obviously that sort of building that sort
1: of successful long-term opportunity. Yeah, amen to that. I mean, it's not just about the money, is it? I mean, uh, I'm actually having dinner tonight with a family office here that uh, that helped um, a unicorn here in Singapore through very, very difficult early times by just continuing to shovel in a few hundred thousand dollars here or there to keep them alive. Um, that little contribution that they made several years ago is now about 300X. Um, so maybe they put a million dollars into play. They certainly have much more than a million dollars back now from that exercise. Yeah, yeah so so look, I, I I completely agree with you. And, and that level of support it can be difficult as the investor to sort of bite down and put more money into companies. And you do have to be sensible about, you know, when you continue to fund companies. Um, but I think some of the indications are pretty clear, you know, that you need a founder with grit. You need him to have a solid vision. Um, you need a, evidence that he's executing on that and he's going to be able to, you know, get to a point where this thing really takes off. And I think if those things are in evidence, most investors will usually continue to support um, the, the company. And I think what we're building together here could be a, a a really nice catalyst for 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 many more of those kind of relationships, hopefully, and and continued investment into what is a, a really excellent ecosystem.
0: And as a as, as a final to this, John, I'd just like to say what excites me the most about this relationship with you is that, you know, I said I love seeing what you've been able to do with such an innovative approach to to venture capital. And I think that we are, between us, we're sort of pioneering a unique uh, way in which we're not only investing into companies, but then providing software, distribution, and also networks of people that can add value to the companies that are being invested into, you know, for that growth. So it's a, to me, it's an exciting opportunity to, to be involved in. I'm very grateful to have come across you and met you and had the opportunity to work with you. Likewise. And uh, ov- obviously looking forward to, to working with the companies that we invest into.
1: Likewise, Steve, really looking forward to that, looking forward to sitting with you in person somewhere nearby that bridge in the background there. It would be nice when we to get <laughs> back together again.
0: Thanks so much, John. Really appreciate the time today. Cheers, mate. Have a good one.